I'm so grateful Larry is willing to launch us into this summer series, I Love Him. I'm calling it Letters. We're going to walk through the book of Philippians together. It will take us until September. It's the letter the Apostle Paul wrote from prison to the church in Philippi. There is a long history in Christianity of letters. Uh, Basically, the entire New Testament is a compilation of letters. Uh, The book of Revelation contains the seven letters written to the churches. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. wrote letters from a Birmingham jail. More recently, in his memory, a book, a compilation of essay letters titled Letters to a Birmingham Jail, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Letters and Papers from Prison, Francis Chan, Letters to the Churches, and I could go on, but I'd like to get moving on to one of the letters that inspired all of those letters. Uh, My friends Anna Erickson and Miranda Craig are going to open our hearts to hear it best. Anna is going to read for us from MLK in one letter from a Birmingham jail, Miranda from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and Letters and Papers from Prison. Listen as they offer it to us. Human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless effort of men and women willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. We must learn to regard people less in the light of what they do or omit to do, and more in the light of what they suffer. Thank you, Anna and Miranda. The future of of the church is in good hands with them. Now I want you to listen with me to one of the letters, at least the beginning of it, that inspired both of those letters. Paul and Timothy. Servants of Christ Jesus. To the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because if you're sharing in the gospel from the first day until now, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to think this way about all of you because you hold me in your heart and have shared with me in God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I have longed for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may overflow with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what is best so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Christ for the praise and glory of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's Philippians 1. 1 through 11, I want you to notice with me, as Paul writes from prison, the three prepositions he uses to begin his letter. We'll get to those in a minute, but are you kidding me? Did you hear what Paul had to say from prison? With the pressure high and the circumstances pressing down, Paul says, thank you. I thank my God every time I remember you. When the pressure's high on me and the circumstances are pushing on me, I lash out or shut down. I don't say thank you. Paul, in prison, K, 
kicked out by a social system that didn't have room for him, leans into hope. I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. Paul, locked down and shut down, embraces compassion. How I have longed for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. Paul, with his life on the line, his fate held in the judging hands of another, leans into holiness and mission, that you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Christ. I don't know about you, but when the circumstances swirl and the pain sets in, gratitude, hope, Compassion, holiness, mission aren't exactly my first instincts, but it's the way of the gospel, and Paul leads us there. I just thought we had to notice that. Now, let's pay attention to a couple of prepositions of, in, and from. By the way, Paul, we call him Paul, sometimes the Apostle Paul, formerly Saul, was so resistant to the Christian movement that he he was violent against Christians, put Christians to death, but Christ met him, Christ flattened him on his face, Christ changed his heart, Christ changed his life, so Christ changed his name from Saul to Paul, and Paul became one of the greatest spokesmen Christian history has ever known, and it would cost him his life. Paul starts his letter from prison. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ, to the saints in Christ who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace and peace to you from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I emphasized the prepositions so you wouldn't miss them, of, in, from. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. Paul starts where Christian life begins. It's a statement of possession. I'm not great with syntax, but I'm pretty sure he's saying one thing belongs to another. He's saying of himself, I belong to Christ, announcing of you two and any who confess Christ as Lord and Savior, you belong to Christ. Which is to say, you are not defined by genes or DNA, by height or weight, by social status and people you know, by skin color or social category. You are not defined by tweets and retweets, likes and emojis, shares and whatever else social media tells you is valuable. You are defined by the living Christ. You belong to him. Christians have been saying this with a smile on their faces for so long. Reformed Christians put it like this. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the promise of the gospel. That's where it begins. But don't miss the challenge of it. Your life is not your own. Your opinion, your perspective, your passion, as appropriate as it may be, concedes to the one to whom you belong. Your comfort gives way for his mission. Your affluence, in every version of affluence we know, gives way to his kingdom. Your life is embraced by his. You belong to Christ. That's the challenge. We've been, we've been watching the world the last several weeks. We, we've seen the pain. We've witnessed the sadness. I'm going to use their names again because each name matters and points to a unique life made in the image of God. Uh, George Floyd, 
Ahmad Arbery, Brianna Taylor. They, they've become, for so many, like, like, like portals to give voice to the deep, deep ache that had, has existed long before their lives of racial injustice in this country. And too often and too quickly, too many of us get distracted, confused by the violence. We, we too quickly let it get politicized and so polarized and then compartmentalized between right and left, progressive and conservative, all the while missing the injustice beneath it all and so neglecting who we truly are, servants of Christ, the one who's by his life, death, and resurrection announces there is no longer Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We're servants of Christ, who by his life, death, and resurrection announces anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is past. Behold, the new has come. We're servants of Christ, who by his life, death, and resurrection has broken down the wall of hostility that exists between us. And it's not just about racial injustice. As the fiscal year comes to an end, or maybe you do budgets by the calendar year, I want you to pay attention to how you spend your money. Is there any evidence of your primary identity? You're a servant of Christ. Or, or, or your time, the way you spend your time. Open your, your calendar app. Is there any evidence in your calendar that you're a servant of Christ? or the way you comport yourself in relationship, or the things you do when no one's looking, is there any evidence of your truest identity? You're a servant of Christ. The great comfort of the gospel, you belong to Christ, is also the great challenge of the gospel. Your life is not your own. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. To the saints in Christ who are in Philippi. The GPS coordinates of where you are are not all that's true of where you are. The spiritual geography of in Christ works back on the physical location. Christ's life works back on your life where you are. So your on furlough, but not just in limbo, you're in Christ. And that's true when you go back to work. So you're on edge as you enter a difficult conversation and in Christ, even after the conversation is resolved. So you're wondering about meaning in retirement. You have all the purpose in the world. You're in Christ. The spiritual geography works back on the physical location, re-narrating the circumstances. You're in Christ. Paul is dialing into a canon's long conversation that goes all the way back to the beginning. God made the first man and the first woman. Things were pretty great. They ate of the tree. They were told not to touch. And they self-announced their own punishment. They went into hiding. They sewed fig leaves together and they made loincloths for themselves to hide from one another. They, they ducked behind the trees of the garden to hide from God. And we've been hiding with them 
ever since. Rather than availing ourselves to vulnerability, we lash out in anger. It's hiding. Rather than feeling the ache of our own loneliness, we grab another drink. It's hiding. Rather than dealing with the insecurity, we work longer, we work harder, we watch another show. It's hiding. We've been hiding. Each one of those things themselves isn't the problem. It's what we do with them that causes the challenge that sends us into hiding. And God showed up to them. God showed up. Where are you? It's the preliminary question of the gospel. Where are you? I want to be with you. I want to know you. Where are you? And God's where are you heart took shape in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus who finds us on the cross and embraces us in resurrection so that Paul would say somewhere else, your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's where you are. You're in Christ, which re-narrates whatever's going on where you are physically. So, so you don't know what to say amidst the racial injustice. You don't know what to do. You're, you're afraid you're going to use the wrong word or say the wrong thing or, or to not say anything at all is going to be the wrong thing not to say. Lean in anyway. You're in Christ. Yeah, you're going to say the wrong thing. Yeah, you're not going to say something when you should say something. You're in Christ. Lean in. So, Your once married, now single life, people are saying it's too soon or get over it and you're not sure what to do. You're in Christ. That's where you are. The spiritual geography works back on the physical location, re-narrating the circumstances. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from the Lord Jesus Christ. From is an operative word to describe God's heart and action for the world he loves as he sends his son Jesus Christ to enter into the world to suffer because people suffer, to die on the cross to forgive because we are in desperate need of forgiveness, who went to the grave to leave the, the sin and the shame and the brokenness and the systems of oppression in our world in the grave so that he might rise up in resurrection, so that we might have life, full life, whole life, eternal life until he comes again to make it all new and to make it all right. From is an operative word to describe God's heart. I'm thinking of the book of Romans. From him and through him and to him are all things, or the psalm I love that has narrated my quarantine, for God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. Or the Nicene Creed, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And can I keep going? St. John in Revelation, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth coming down from heaven. From grace and peace, from the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, not just a fancy Christianized way of saying hi, but an announcement of what is really real, a conferring upon us what's most true, grace and peace, grace and peace in short supply and high demand, a grace to our black and brown brothers and sisters who live under too heavy a yoke to borrow the title of a book. Grace 
to so many as we flounder around in these conversations around racial injustice. Grace to those who realize the pandemic and know the pain and suffering of racial injustice and experience an ache no one knows about and will ever hear about. Grace to you. And peace. Peace in a divided world in an election year. Lord, have mercy. Peace, not just the comfort for a few, but the invitation to all image bearers of God. Peace. The longing of all creation. And I'm, I'm going to say it the way I see it. The grace and peace reality conferred on us will not be achieved by us. Human progress never rolls in on the wheels of inevitability, MLK says, but rather Christ breaks in, shows up with grace and peace so that it can be our reality now. Christ who suffered and died and rose again for grace and peace to you, for us now here I've been reading this book, uh, Letters to a Birmingham Jail, a riff off of the title of a book, Letters from a Birmingham Jail, a compilation of letters by MLK. Uh, One of the first letters is by a man named John Perkins, African-American civil rights activist, uh, pastor, teacher, author. Uh, He co-founded the CCDA, Christian Community Development Association. He dropped out of school in the third grade and since received 16 honorary doctorates. Uh, He has a fellows program named after him at Calvin University. I'm only sharing all of this because he is an impressive individual. Uh, The letter he wrote is like a, it's like listening into a conversation between dear friends I'm 83 years old now. I can begin to see the setting of the sun. And there's a sense of urgency to pass along to coming generations the principles and teachings that have kept me all these years. If I had to boil it down to the simplest of truths, it would be this one thing. Jesus. Jesus alone. He is the pearl of great price. Without him, nothing else matters. With him, you need nothing else. Martin. I'm satisfied with my Savior and with his leading. I'm satisfied that a life spent serving him is a life worth living. And yes, I'm satisfied that serving fellow humanity with the glorious gospel is the only thing that really matters in life. I'm satisfied. And I'll see you in the morning, my friend. John Perkins gave himself to a lot of things. John Perkins was active in the world. And John Perkins says... It all boils down to one thing, Jesus. Jesus alone. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.